Good morning and welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Gold, the senior pastor. <laughs> it is great to see you and to be with you today. It is really great for everything to be working. I'm sure everybody's feeling that a little bit uh, with the spring forward. And so we're glad to have you here. And, uh, and so it's going to be funny, too, because uh, as you leave, there may be people still coming in. And so that's okay. No problem. No problem. Just smile at them and say good morning. Uh, you thought the rapture took place. But anyhow, it didn't. So you're all, all good. All good. We're continuing and, and kind of concluding our series on Forgotten God. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. So if you take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, um, I'm going to look at a few verses here, and uh, as, we're, as, we're kind of, um, as we're kind of wrapping this up, and I hope this has been beneficial, I hope it's helpful to you, and all of this is online at lifechurchwi.com, you can watch any of these on demand uh, to kind of unpack some of this stuff, because sometimes these are some of the things that you get questions about, I know I do. Uh, and you get questions about, like, what is this, and how does this work, and what happens, and whatever. There's also a, a reference Bible that I would uh, I'd recommend to you. It's the Full Life Study Bible or the Fire Bible. So we actually have them at every campus. You can buy one. Uh, it's whatever they cost us. You get it. I don't know if they're sold on Amazon or not. If they are, it'd be the same price. Uh, so we're not trying to make any money off of any of that stuff. It's just a resource there for you. But there's tons of notes and there's tons of references. A reference Bible is just, it's the same text that you have in any Bible. But the references, it's going to cross-reference uh, passages of Scripture all throughout God's Word. And then there's going to be commentary. There's going to be theological commentary on what's being said and what's happening. Uh, and so this is probably one of the best resources that I would say would be consistent with what we're talking about, especially on this subject matter. There's some great reference Bibles, but a lot of times on this particular subject matter of the Holy Spirit, Book of Acts, it, it just kind of, it doesn't really give a lot of contemporary significance to it or how it applies to today. It just talks about what happened in, in the moment in the first century. So again, that full life study Bible, uh, fire Bible, whatever you want to call it, that they're one and the same. They've been marketed under two different names, but so they're there at any campus. If you want to pick one of those up and if for some reason you don't have the money for that, just go by and tell them that pastor Aaron said he paid for it and you could just pick it up. Seriously. I want to make sure that if you need a resource, I never want there to be something that you can't get because of money. Money is never a reason not to, for a kid to go to camp or for somebody to get a Bible that they need, amen? So we, we've got that, we'll figure that out. You just go and just put it on my account, which is not really existent, but they'll know what you're talking about. So um, I, what I wanna do is I wanna unpack today kind of this empowered life that this spirit-filled life gives us, the empowerment of what happens. So if you've been in church for a long time and you've heard about this, I'm probably gonna challenge a little bit of your thinking, uh, not your orthodoxy, but your thinking on some of this. Uh, if you're brand new to the subject, this will be pretty easy for you to go, okay, this is how this relates to Monday through Friday in my world. Just so you know something, one of the things for me that's really important is if this following Jesus doesn't translate to a workaday Monday through Friday, go to school, go to work, parent your kids, live your life kind of a lifestyle, then we are wasting our time. We, we would be better off to be having brunch right now somewhere uh, and just hanging out and eating if, if all this does is just do something in the hour that we're together. The truth of the matter is the greatest expression of the Holy Spirit is never 
God never intended it this way. I'm going to show you this today. It's never intended to be inside the four walls of the church. The greatest expression of the Holy Spirit, his greatest work in your life and in my life and in the church, capital C, the big church, is in the marketplace. It's in your homes. It's in your schools. It's in your, now I'm not talking about you need to have a church service at your work. That may get you fired, okay? I'm not talking about you need to stand up at the lunchroom in your cafeteria and just start preaching a message. That'd probably be pretty fun, but, but I, I'm not talking about that. I, I, I'm talking, about, or you need to have a church service at your home. I'm saying living this out, the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in our life is to empower you and I to live a life for Jesus in our world. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit at this season in our life. And so many times we've been taught and we've thought, well, the greatest moving of the Holy Spirit is in a church service. It's in a worship service. It's, it's when they sing my favorite song and they just keep going to the next octave and the next octave and the volume goes up and it's just people lift their hands and you feel like the, you know, like, like the roof is going to open up, you know, like, a, like, like a American Family Field or Miller Park, whatever you want to call it. It's hard for me to keep up sometimes, but, but right, it's like, it's just going to open up and, and, and we're just, that's great and that's awesome and we need that. And that builds you and I up. But the work of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is not to have better church services. It's not to have better preaching. It's not to have better worship. Is that part of it? Yeah, but that's the low-hanging fruit. The power of the Holy Spirit and the reason why I spend time unpacking this and talking about this and, and really pushing this and to make sure that we understand this is because the power is in your Monday morning, your Tuesday afternoon flight, your Thursday meeting with clients, your, your Friday exam, your, your, your time that you're hanging out with friends, wherever your world takes you, wherever you go, whatever it is that God's called you to do, that's the work, that's the place, that's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit where it works best. Acts chapter four, verse number 29. So the Holy Spirit's already been poured out they began to see, they've already seen thousands of people added now to the church and the church is growing and it's taken off. It's cooking with gas. Verse 29. And now the Lord look, uh, and now, and now Lord look upon their threats as the disciples, they're praying and grant to your servants, speaking of the disciples to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Verse 30. And while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of, of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit is what gives you and I the power to live this Christian life. That's what I've been talking about. The Holy Spirit, the, 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 what, what, what's happening in the context of, of as they're praying this prayer is the church, the New Testament church has begun. Acts chapter 2, and, and the New Testament church is now growing, and people are coming in, and it, it's becoming the buzz. Everybody's talking about it at the water cooler. Everybody's saying, have you been? Do you know? Did you hear? Have you seen? This is what's going on. These are the guys that were with Jesus. You know, he was crucified weeks ago, but, and, and I know it's been noised abroad that, that he's risen, and there's some people who say that that's just a hoax, but, but I'm telling you, this is what's going on, and the religious leaders now are beginning to kind of they're, they're trying, to, trying to suppress it. They're, they're, they're trying to, to marginalize it. They're, they're, they're trying to understand it. 
And, and, and they're trying to put it into a nice little box. And, and the bottom line is, is this is happening in a way that, that goes beyond what they thought. It goes beyond, it, it's, it's not in conflict with the Old Testament. It's not in conflict with the law, but it, it's just different than. Always be careful. Just because something is different doesn't mean you need to embrace it. The Bible says we should test the spirit. Which means just because something's happening in church or somebody that you know or someone listens to some podcast or sees some, some, something online or whatever, or just because a lot of people are around it doesn't mean that it's solid, that it's good. Go back to God's word. Go back to God's word. Kind of do the, the Bible test. Go back to the word. Does it hold biblical water? Does it hold theological water? Is it something that we see in scripture? Is this consistent with God's word? But if it, you find that it's consistent with God's word and it's not in conflict, then what you want to do is sometimes God is going to do things that are going to be a little different than how you might do it. Have you ever figured that out? How many times have you asked God to do something and you wanted him to do it this way and he did it that way? Most of the time, right? I think it's kind of one of the ways that God kind of enjoys himself. He kind of humors himself a bit because he's just going, Aaron wants this. And he thinks this is what's going on, but it's not. Aaron really wants to go to like a coastal community. Little does he know I'm going to take him to the unsalted coast of Milwaukee. Right? So, I mean, it's like, and I'm looking for Boca Raton. You, you ever have, you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, okay, I need to be a little more specific. You know, it's that kind of a deal. I'm just saying to you, there are times that we think that God's going to do it this way and God does it that way. And when we give it time and space, it holds theological water. And at the same time, it also goes, that was probably a way better way of doing it than what I would have thought. So the disciples are experiencing this persecution that's beginning to happen from the religious system, happening from the Roman government. Because again, the Roman government, they would let you worship any God you wanted to worship. But the truth of the matter is, is that you just simply had to make sure that you were under the rule and the reign of Caesar. So they were constantly watching these uprisings, constantly watching these, these kind of ground swells, constantly watching these, these, these groups of people. They, 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 they were watching just to make sure everybody kind of stays in line. And they're beginning to experience a certain degree of persecution. So they began to ask God, God, that you would strengthen us, that you would help us, that you would give us boldness. And, and this is exactly the way the Holy Spirit works. So the first statement I want to make about this is that they're empowered to withstand opposition. The New Testament church was empowered to withstand opposition. They pray, God, give us power because these threats are coming against us. Give us power. Look, look, at the, look at verse 29 again. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. They're being threatened. They're being persecuted for, for what's happening. You know, at the beginning of Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are preaching the gospel. And a group of religious leaders basically are approaching them. And, and, and they become, the Bible says in, in verse 2 of Acts chapter 4, these religious leaders, these power brokers, they become greatly annoyed with what's going on. They become this nuisance is what's happening. And anytime you preach the gospel, there's going to be people who view it as intolerant. There are going to be people that view it as harmful, as bigoted, and narrow-minded. Why? Because, again, I didn't write the book, but Jesus says there's only way to the Father, and that's through the Son. So that says that every other religion in the world is false. And that doesn't work with a pluralistic narrative in the world in which we live in, in the 21st century. It didn't work in the 1st century. It doesn't work. Why? And what I mean by it doesn't work, it doesn't work in the world in which we live in. Because, again, there is... There is the power of God at work. There's the power of Satan at work. And Satan wants to go about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, to steal, kill, and destroy. John chapter 10. 
And Jesus comes that we can have life and life to the full. So these two things are diametrically opposed. They're in opposition. So anytime the church, anytime the Holy Spirit, anytime God begins to move and lives begin to be changed, there's always going to be some type of opposition, some type of persecution, because in and of itself, Jesus being the one and only way, that is narrow-minded. Jesus being the one and only way, that, that, that is very intolerant. Jesus being the one and only way, that, that he's the only way to the Father, that anybody that calls the name of the Lord will be saved, that, that, that's very restrictive because it says you can't, you, you, you can't just believe whatever you want to believe. You, you, you can't just live life however you want to live life. You, 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 you can't just go and just, well, it's okay, these are, these are good people, or this is a good, these are good, or, and they may all be good, but goodness doesn't get us into heaven because you and I are dead in our sins. That's what the Bible says. And, 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 and our sin is what sends us to hell. God doesn't send us to hell. Our sin sends us to hell. God doesn't want us to go to hell. Therefore, he gives his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. And you go, oh, yeah. But when you proclaim that, when you say that, whether it's corporate America, whether it's just, it's at the local school board meeting, whether it's, whether it's on the nightly news. Oh my goodness. You're totally saying, so you're saying these people that don't believe in Jesus, uh, they're not right with God. I'm not saying that's what the Bible says. You're, you're, you're saying that this, this, you know, you're, you're saying that the good news is, is that unless I accept Jesus Christ, I'm going to go to hell. I didn't say that's what the Bible says, but yeah, that's what I believe. And it's hard for us to compute because it's especially in our world, because Everybody in our world gets a ribbon, right? Everybody gets a trophy, right? It's, it's, it's all going to just work out in the end. Does it? No. No. Turn on the news any day of the week, any hour of the day. People are dying. Persecution is taking place. People are being hurt. People are being abused and taken advantage of. You go to any major city in America right now, there is craziness going all around. And, 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 and things are happening and spinning somewhat out of control. And all of this, it's, it's the enemy of our soul. And so what happens is, is when we begin to preach the gospel, when we begin to say that there is a, is a God that loved you so much and he gave us one and only son, Jesus Christ. And if you accept Jesus Christ, he'll be your Lord and Savior. And you don't have to live in your sin. You don't have to die in your sin that God has this amazing grace for you, but it's through Jesus Christ. That's very narrow and, and it's not real popular. And again, there is this kind of, uh, I heard it said this week, kind of hot tub Christianity that, hey, you can just go do whatever you want to do and you can just be whatever you want to be and just kind of kick back and relax. And there's really no such thing as sin and Jesus paid the price. And so just accept Jesus and then just go do whatever you want to go do. Oh, my goodness. Like that's nowhere in scripture. Old Testament, New Testament, even the maps in the back of the book don't even support that. Some of you will get that about two o'clock. The, the, the deal is, is again, I didn't write it, but I'm just saying when these apostles, when these disciples, that when this New Testament church being full of the Holy Spirit, when they began to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, not everybody likes it. Trevin Wax, the author said this, when we say that we wanna be the hands and the feet of Jesus, we must remember what happened to the hands and the feet of Jesus. Remember, Jesus did no harm. Jesus loved the unlovable. He was a friend of sinners. He was kind, he was compassionate, and he laid down his life, but they killed him for it. They crucified him for it. 
They publicly humiliated and did everything they could to destroy him and destroy his message. So somebody doesn't like you at school. Okay, snowflakes. Woo, man, he's all up in that. Let's just be that. That hurts. So, so, so you've got to watch some of your rhetoric at the office. And you should. You should be mindful. You shouldn't be. Look, we're not just going, well, man, yeah, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. No, 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 no. Don't go tell people they're going to hell. Right? I'm, I'm serious. Like this is when, when the girls were little, Ava was trying to understand all of this. And she had heard something in vacation Bible school. And so she saw a neighborhood kid and the dad's kid was, was smoking a cigar. And she goes, oh, he's smoking. That's bad. That's sin. And he's going to die and go to hell. That's what she tells her little neighborhood girl. So the little girl starts crying. I don't want my daddy to die. I don't want my daddy to go to hell. I don't want any of that kind of a stuff. And the mom sends her home with a message. Ava's telling our daughter that her dad, not me, but this little girl's dad's going to die and go to hell. We had to unpack all of that <laughs> to a toddler, you know, not a toddler, but to a preschooler that's just kind of like, but isn't that, isn't, so I'm not telling you to go do that, right? That'd be crazy. But I am saying that when you live a life for Jesus and when you live this godly life, even if you're not saying anything, but you're living different in your lifestyle, people will begin to push back. What? You're not going to clubs anymore? What? Oh, are you part of that fanatical deal? What? Huh? What's going on? What? I mean, you're reading the Bible? Like, man, isn't that what the pastor or the priest does? Like, what, why do you need that? You know, or, or you're, you're, you're going to a, a Bible study? Like, what? You're actually giving money to these people? What? This is, you're actually going to go, you're going to take your, you're going to go on a missions, what, what is a missions trip? Is that like international travel? Is that like a Condé Nast type of a deal? And, and you're going to go, what, you're going to where? And it's just, again, it's, we've got to expect that there's going to be opposition, but the Holy Spirit's what gives you and I the power to live for Jesus regardless of the opposition. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the disciples were facing opposition, what did they do? They didn't go and try to confront it. They didn't go try to, try to fight these guys. They didn't do anything in of themselves. What did they do? They asked God, help us. Give us boldness to live our life. Help us to be true to the call. Help us to live this out even in a world that's hostile towards what we believe. That's happening in the first century. It's happening in the 21st century. You're going to raise your kids in a biblically God-centered way according to Scripture? It's going to fly in the face of secular humanism, what's being taught at, in, in, in most schools and universities. It's going to be, and you better equip them. 70% of evangelical kids, kids that go to churches just like this, just like you and I go to, when, they, when their kids go to college the freshman year, they walk away from their faith. 70%, 7 out of 10 kids. <clears throat> Why is that? It's not because they didn't have a youth group program. It's not because they didn't have a vibrant church program. It's not because they weren't going to a growing church. It's because somewhere along the way, they weren't properly equipped. They weren't properly trained. You, you've got to do that. You've you, you got to understand that's what the power of the Holy Spirit does is gives us power to live our life, even when it's in opposition to people that may be around us. Secondly, we're empowered to be a witness. We're empowered to be a witness. A witness is not one of those really, well, we kind of use that in a legal sense, but, but witness is, is that you're just telling your story. You're just simply telling what Jesus did for you. It's just, it's your eyewitness account. Look at verse 29. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, to be a witness. And you've heard it said before, Francis of Assisi says, preach the gospel at all times if necessary, use words. And I get that. I think we should live out our faith before we ever open our mouth. 
but that's only part of how we need to do this. At some point in time, someone's going to ask you, there's something different about you. And in that moment, in that moment, you're going to begin to speak and you're going to communicate. You're going to become a witness. You're going to proclaim the good news. And that sounds really, really spiritual. All that means is I'm just going to tell you where I was. Man, I was on a highway to hell. I was doing da 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 bang, 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 all this. And destruction. And Jesus came into my heart and into my life. And, and I did a 180. Well, what about this? I, I don't know about that. But here's what I know. It's what Jesus did. Well, well, I heard this one preacher say, I don't know what he may say, but I'm just telling you what he did for me. That's what a witness is. A witness is not getting into theological debates. A witness is not defending the church or defending this group or that group or this statement or that statement. A witness is, is not trying to go, well, you know, well, what do you do with the dinosaurs? And what do you do with this and that? And I don't know about all that. Here's what I know. This is what Jesus did for me. That's it. That's what a witness does. If, and and, and so, 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 so he gives us power to be a witness. And it's important that we witness. It's important that we tell people the story. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 21 says, it's through the foolishness of preaching that men and women come through repentance. It, it's when you tell your story, it's when you proclaim the gospel, it's when you share it with a coworker or a classmate or a neighbor or someone at a right time, at a proper time. When you begin to share that, that's what happens. Go back to Acts chapter one, verse eight. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, that's hometown. Judea, that's kind of the area. Samaria, that's kind of the, the nation and to the very ends of the earth. Wherever you go. And that word power, when you receive power is the same word that we get the word for dynamite. It's explosive force. It's this power, it's this, uh, the Greek word is dunamis. It, it's, it's this explosive force that's inside of me. It's beyond me. It's, it, it's God putting his super onto my natural. And the power is not intended for inside the church or for the church service or for church gatherings. It, it's for when you and I leave and go to the marketplace. That's when the power is given. When we're in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It, it, it didn't say when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're gonna be my witnesses on Sunday morning. He didn't say when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be my witnesses when you're in your life group. He didn't say when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be my witnesses. It's going to give you a better church service. It's going to give you a better worship experience. It's, 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 going, to, it's going to give you a better preaching experience. It's going, to, it's going to give you a better altar time. No, no, no. It says that when the power comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. Where? To the ends of the earth. And this is sometimes where Christians, we, we, if we're not careful, we, 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 we forget this. We, we, especially people that really love the, the whole subject of the Holy Spirit. It's because it's just, you want to kind of get in this holy huddle and just, let's just kind of do all these things that we see in scripture and let's, blah, blah, blah. but where are these things happening in scripture? They're in the marketplace. They're, they're, they're in the marketplace. They're, they're driven from the synagogue. They're, they're, they're having to go and preach here and there and wherever. I mean, they're, they're, when, when the Holy Spirit, when the upper room experience happens, it's not taking place in the synagogue. They, they've got this space and it's like a prayer gathering and they're just seeking God. It, it's, it's, and, and it's so loud and it's in the middle of town that everybody hears them. Where does God choose to display the Holy Spirit? In the marketplace. The miracles that Jesus does, he never heals a disciple. Now, in three some odd years, do you think somebody had a head cold or had a headache or whatever? Sure they did. But, but at the same time, we never see any recorded history where Jesus, that's all Jesus is doing is just healing the disciples. And he, well, who does he heal? 
He goes into the highways and the byways and the hedges. He goes all around the Galilee area and he heals people and he changes people and he does things. And every time he does something, he doesn't do it in private. It's always in public. It's always where people can see. Why? Because miracle signs and wonders are not given for you and I for a holy huddle or for our little Christian experience. They're giving for a sign to the unbeliever. Now, some of you, I know I'm going to really mess your theology up because you're like, well, I just thought that happened on Sunday morning or at some church crusade where they would rent out a coliseum. And, and I'm not against any of that. I'm just simply saying, how much more powerful is it when someone, let's just say someone at your work is battling cancer. And what happens if you pray the prayer of faith and they're made whole. You want to talk about like that? Okay, go to the doctor, get it proven. You want to talk about that changing people. And that, that's always been my deal is when we have healing evangelists, why, why do we do this deal where it's just in the church service? Why don't we just go to the hospitals and just start, let's go to the start, start at children's hospitals and just start in the name of Jesus, be healed. The way it was designed is not, it gives us power to live our life for Jesus. But that's, that's, my, that's my last statement is that this empowerment is to perform miracle signs and wonders. We're empowered to perform signs and wonders. Look at verse 30. He says, and while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of Jesus, through the name of your holy servant Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus. And he intends that all of his followers uh, would, would have access to that power and, and would see other people's lives changed. John chapter 14, verse 12 and four, 13 and 14 says, Truly, truly, Jesus said, I said to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. For whatever you ask in my name, I will do and the Father, that the Father may be glorified. So if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And we read that and we go, yeah, that's good. But do you live that? And again, we're not the healer. You understand? We, we don't get to dictate who gets healed and who doesn't get healed. We, we, don't, we don't get to dictate where the miracles happen and they don't happen. Our responsibility is to believe that there's a God that can do it. Our responsibility is to be led of the Holy Spirit that at times where we just go, can I just pray for you? And it doesn't need to be weird. It doesn't need to be, it, it doesn't need to be demonstrative. It doesn't have to be loud. <laughs> you don't have to have like a keyboard behind you. You know what I'm talking about? Can I just get a little bit of synth over here and just kind of feel that for, no, I don't need any of that. I just need a moment where I can just say, hey, you know, do you mind if I just pray for you for a second? Jesus, I just pray for Mary, the barista at Starbucks that I just met, who's really having a difficult day. Show up in her world. In Jesus' name, Amen. It's just looking at people sometimes and just going, you know, can, would you mind if I just pray for you? It won't be weird. But I just want to just, I mean, going to a neighbor that you know that's struggling and say, look, I, I, I'm not trying to push church or any of that on you at all. Last thing I want to do is, but I just want you to know, first of all, I'm praying for you. Secondly, I want to know if there's anything I can do to help you. I'll help you. But I do believe that God hears us when we pray. Would you mind if I just prayed for you for a second? You don't have to go get a big bottle of Crisco and anoint them and pour it over the top of their head, 
right? Some of you are in church. Like, I, I get that. But the Bible says anoint with oil, pray the elders of the church, and pray the prayer of faith. It's not an algebraic formula. A plus B plus C equals D. That's how we like to do it. Now, God, if I do this and I do this and I do this and you're going to perform X. No. He has the power and the ability to, but he is sovereign, which means his ways are higher than our ways. So what's my job? My job is to believe. My job is to have faith. My job is to take the word of God literal. My job is to, is to in a very kind, in a very humble, in a very meek, in a mild way. I'm not to be powerful. The Holy Spirit through me is to be powerful. God doesn't need you to power up. God doesn't need you to be strong for him. God doesn't need you to defend him. What he wants to know is will you trust in him and in his word that in those moments where you go, I need to pray for this person. God, is this something I can just do personally? Or, okay, I need to, I need to listen for a moment. I, I need to help. I need to whatever. And there's times where the need is something that you don't even need to pray about it. You can write a check or you can meet the need or do whatever needs to be done. But these are the times that I'm talking about where there's, you can't write a check. You have no human ability to intervene. And that's where you say, I don't, but he does. It's the beggar at the gate called Beautiful, Acts chapter 3. And he's begging for alms. And Peter and John say, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have given to you. Meaning I don't have the money to fix your problem. I can't finance your life. I can't write you a check. But there is one that can heal you, and I'd be happy to pray for you. I'm not the healer. He is. In that moment, the Bible says, and they prayed for him, and he was healed instantly. So, when we ask in Jesus' name, we can see people healed. I believe that. I've seen that in my own life. That's why I pray. That's why we, we have prayer partners. We have prayer requests. That's why we pray. It's why we do that. We can see people saved. Some of you are believing for the salvation of lost loved ones and friends and family members. I believe that. I've seen that. And I've told this story before, but... You know, my dad, uh, when my uh, grandfather passed away, my dad's dad, uh, my dad always had this old trifold billfold. I think he still does. And in that, he worked in a factory every day, so it was just nasty, kind of that weathered uh, leather. And we're there at the funeral. And my dad wanted to let my brother and I know that my grandfather had accepted Christ before he was, before he, before he passed. And my grandfather was a, a good guy, but he didn't really follow Jesus. You know, we would, uh, he probably so, smoked more cigarettes than I can count. And uh, my brother and I would have a pastime of busting up uh, Bud Light and, and Pabst Blue Ribbon and uh, beer cans one after the other. But at the end, it's amazing how people humble themselves really quickly and they give their life to Christ. And I say this because this is, this is the working of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we think the working of the Holy Spirit is something that's just, 
it's like, oh, it's something pastor's going to do, or it's something that's going to be some mystical. It's not mystical. It's supernatural. Sometimes we can't always explain it. But my dad's, you know, I was at a revival service, at a church service years ago, and uh, the pastor, the preacher said, hey, if you're wanting to see people saved, I want you to believe for that. So I want you to write their names on a piece of paper and just put it in your billfold or put it in your purse or just, and, and every, just every time you see this, I want you to just pray for them. Let God do the work. God's the one that draws people. We don't draw people, but God draws people. My dad there at that graveside opens up his billfold and he takes that piece of paper out. That's just weathered and had gotten wet from the sweat just being in his pocket and all of that. And there were the names. the names of lost family members. He said, you can see the list isn't done yet. That's why it's going in the billfold. But I've been praying and believing and God did it. And he's gonna do it for every one of these people. That's the Holy Spirit at work. He saves. We can see miracles happen. I still believe that. Why? Because that's what God's word says. And we receive and you have spiritual gifts. And so as a Christ follower, we're given this boldness to step out in faith and to believe and to pray for other people. And again, I'm not talking about being offensive. The Bible doesn't give you and I a license to be offensive. It's not about being weird. We don't need any more weirdness, right? So don't go, oh, he's pastors want me just to go to the factory and just start laying hands on people and slapping them. No, 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 I don't want you to do that. And if they call me and they say, hey, this person says they go to your church, go, no, they must go to Crossway or Northbrook or somewhere else. They don't go to Life Church. No, 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 that's, you need to call Mike Valenti. Can I give you his number? Mike and I went to college together, so we're good friends. And, and Jason Esposito at Crossway. I, no, 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 I'm just talking about begin to pray for people, begin to believe, begin to do, and, 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 and just in a very kind way, in a very humble way, in a very gentle way, the way the Holy Spirit works with you and with me. Just live that out. So maybe today you're seeking the Holy Spirit power for you and not for others. And maybe today you just need to say, God, I just, I, want, I don't want more for me. I, I want you to flow through me in order for me to be a witness, to be empowered to live this life. Maybe today God's stirring your heart for just more of him because of a lost world. See, the thing that should motivate us for the Holy Spirit is not for a greater church service. It's not for, not for, for more kind of, uh, you know, uh, 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 manifestation in our own life, but it's to see a world that's lost without Jesus come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's what should motivate us. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit's given so that you and I are witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. So we're witnesses in our hometown, in our city, in our state, in our nation, and in our world. So, so that we're able to be a light and darkness. We're able to be salt in a very tasteless, perverse world. We're able to, to go and to love people the way Jesus loved us. So today, I just want you to take a couple moments as the band comes back. I'm gonna pray and just reflect. Reflect on two things. If you're desirous of the things of God, then just say, Holy Spirit, check my heart and make sure that the reason why I want to more of you is not for my benefit or for my spiritual walk or for some spiritual metal to put on my spiritual chest, so to speak. But, but Lord, let my heart be 
about being a witness, about taking the power of the Holy Spirit to live it out in my world. And not in a weird way, but in a way that changes people around me, a way that changes people in, in my space. And, 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 and Lord, I just help me that it's not about me. It's not about me. Church in Corinth, and Paul talks about this in chapters 14, 15, and 16 of 1 Corinthians. They made the Holy Spirit all about their church service. And Paul says, no, 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 you're missing the mark. You're missing the point. Great that it happens, but here's some rules for engagement. But, you, but, but this is not about you. This is about a world that's lost without Jesus. And then began to, if you're like, man, I just, this is all brand new to me. Holy Spirit, search my heart. Holy Spirit, give me a greater desire for you. Holy Spirit, I know that you're the third person of the Trinity. You're the third person of the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you are God. And let you not be forgotten in my life, but, but have your place in my life. And just take these next couple of moments just to reflect upon that. Father, I just thank you today for your word. I thank you today, God, for the challenge it's not always easy living this Christian life. It's not always easy doing what you've called us to do. Many times we wanna zig when we should zag. We wanna go left when we should go right. But Lord, it's your Holy Spirit that keeps us in step. It's your Holy Spirit that reminds us of a lost and dying world. It's a, a Holy Spirit that, that leads and guides and directs us in our decisions, but also helps us make us aware that we are called to be a witness in our city, in our county, in our state, in our nation, and in our world. I pray in these next few moments, just speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.